Welcome to Visionaries Global Media, your number one source for podcasting entertainment. Visionaries Global Media, envisioning excellence on a global scale. Welcome to episode 15 of the SJP Wrestling Podcast. On today's show, we are looking back some 19 years-ish to Survivor Series 2001, which was the end of the invasion angle with the alliance of WCW and ECW trying to put Vince McMahon's WWF out of business. I'm very, very happy to welcome the magnificent Matt Willis to the show to discuss this pay-per-view. It's a pay-per-view he describes as being one of his favourites, and it's also a show I adore myself. It's a, it's a great pay-per-view to look back on, and I had a brilliant time talking about it with Matt. I hope you'll enjoy listening. Um, on the topic of Survivor Series and looking back on old shows, I hope those of you who caught it enjoyed the special bonus episode this last week um, covering Survivor Series 1990. I look back some... 30 years, well, 30 years to the day on on the release of the podcast. Um, on that show, with some odd matches and odd haircuts, uh, some great performers, and of course, the debut of The Undertaker. Um, if bonus episodes like that are something you enjoy or would like to hear more of, I'd really appreciate you letting me know. Um, you can do this by contacting me um, and the show in general on all of our social media platforms. Uh, we're available on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, and you can find us at SJP Wrestling Pod. Um, on the subject of social media links, tomorrow, um, as I'm speaking to you, well, speaking into my microphone to you now, recording this intro now, um, tomorrow is the first sit down and record of a new show I'm working on with Mags from Five Rounds Pod and various other projects called Chain Wrestling. Uh, you can find that show um, at Chain underscore Wrestling on Twitter. Um, we're going to be looking at the Booker T, Scott Steiner, uh, WCW Mayhem 2000 main event, which was a steel cage straitjacket match. Very odd time in WCW, as I'm sure you'll agree. Uh, and the basic premise of the show is, I mean, we decided upon that first topic by mags and i both putting forward um random matches and then putting it out on twitter for um you all to vote as to which you'd like to hear us talk about um and the reason we're we're approaching this and calling it chain wrestling is that after we've looked at this one particular match the the social media for that show and i suppose through mags's and and my own will have further options for you to vote on for the following episode of Chain Wrestling. 
Um, the only premise with the matches that we're going to be putting out on the poll is I will select one that is somehow linked to the match that we cover in that episode, Steiner vs. Booker T. Mags will also select one that is somehow linked to Steiner Booker T from 2000. And then it's up to you guys out there listening to vote on the Twitter poll and decide where we go from there. The idea being that we're going to spend a short time i mean the shows aren't going to be massively long um hopefully kind of kind of bite-sized for you all to sort of listen to and and then move on with your day um the idea being that we're going to be looking at these one th- th- these matches one at a time um and then linking them to the next show and then you deciding what you want to hear um so again the idea being that potentially show number one you could trace the topic all the way through to if we get lucky enough to make it to maybe show 10. There's a link all the way through and everything is connected. Um, Mags worded it as almost um, six degrees of separation with spandex, which I thought was a brilliant way of putting it. So look out for the first episode of Chain Wrestling um, dropping sometime next week. Uh, look out for the polls as well. Uh, support the show Uh, me and Max are really excited about it and we hope you enjoy it Um, again though on that note of looking back on old pay-per-views I'm over the moon to welcome Matt Willis onto the show for the first time I've spoken with Matt previously on Talk at the Table one of his shows he's a very knowledgeable intelligent wrestling fan I had a great time talking to him Um, I can't wait to have him back on the show to be honest to discuss further pay-per-views and further shows Um, again Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoy the show. I am delighted to welcome the extra super talented podcaster, Matt Willis, to the show. How are we doing, sir? You flatter me, sir. You flatter me, but you did, <laughs> but you, but you did miss out Magnificent. So. Magni- ah, yeah, <laughs> Magnificent. Magnificent, very as, good. As named so by Jackson from the MGB Wrestling Podcast, and I have cherished that nickname ever since. So that's I, can, I can see why. I can see why. Definitely worth it. So. Oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you very much. I appreciate that. So, how are you doing? How are things? Uh, things are good. Things are good. Um, time of recording. We have just come off, the, off of Survivor Series 2020 last night. I stayed up for the whole show. My word, I... I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. And hopefully some of that enthusiasm will come through in this show. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's what I was going to ask you about before we got on to our, uh, our other Survivor Series topic, I suppose, from sort of 19 years ago. Um, I enjoyed Survivor Series as well. I stayed up and watched the show live with my wife, and I thought there was plenty of good stuff there. I thought The Undertaker send-off was as good as they could do, considering the, the circumstances of no crowd and, and so on. Um Reigns McIntyre was fantastic. I enjoyed Sasha Banks versus um, Oscar as well. Uh, you enjoyed the show yourself? Yes. Um, I particularly like the fact that I actually called it Alana was going to be the last person standing for Team Raw. I love the fact that everyone said I was talking at my backside. That includes you, Mags. Um, <laughs> but I proved everyone wrong. So I'm very happy about that. So um, it was it's an enjoyable show in general. The only downside was that Otis didn't um, win for Team SmackDown. That's the only bad thing about it. But I, that was but that's personal gripes. I thoroughly enjoyed the show. It was a very well, very well developed show for the whole way through. See, I, I've not watched Raw and SmackDown properly in a long, long time. Um, I watched the pay per views, uh, but most of my time is spent watching. Um, older stuff, whether it's uh, looking back at pay-per-views for this, the podcast, 
or just older stuff in general because that's what I, what I watch or I watch a lot of AEW with my girls, my daughters. Um, so yeah, Raw and SmackDown itself, I've not seen a great deal of in quite a while. But I watch the pay-per-view still and I, I think on the whole this year, considering the, the, the global situation, um, we've had some pretty good pretty good pay-per-view events from the WWE. There have been a couple of misses, unfortunately. Extreme Rules comes to mind. Oh, yes. um, <laughs> um, but for the most part, um, they've been surprisingly good. Uh, Man in the Bank was a highlight for me, um, as was the two-day WrestleMania, um, uh, the, the shirt for which I'm wearing right now, ironically. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I wasn't there for that one, uh, nor was anybody, it seems. But um, Royal Rumble? Obviously, at the start of the year, you forget that was in the days when boom, we could actually get together and yeah. all that, and then the chamber, of course. Uh, but even without that, also NXT has some has some great pay views this year. War Games is coming up soon, so looking forward to that as well. Yeah, yeah, and War Games being very much a a, a stable of old Jim Crockett Promotions, NWA, and so on. That's right up my street. So I, I really enjoy the War Games matches as well. And I'm a big Adam Cole fan, big Undisputed Era fan. So all that, all that's great. And well, not as big an Adam Cole fan as my wife. She she thinks this guy is fantastic. Um, I'm not um, sure that's completely based upon his wrestling ability, but you know she is a big wrestling fan. So I think that does come into it. A lot of people would say that I'm the same. Just for Adam Cole for Finn Balor, but Finn Balor is incredibly talented, and he has got some very nice abs. <laughs> it's true. Fair enough. It's true. Fair enough. I've probably got some too somewhere, but they're just under a lot of fat. But <laughs> I could probably say the same. Although I am on my weight loss plan, I'm com- I've lost five pounds. I'm down to the Undertaker's weight now, so I'm very happy with that. I need to spike Dudley's weight now to get down to what I want to be. Uh, is that how you're looking at it? Is it wrestlers' weights and steps? That's you know it's you know, for me as a wrestling fan. That's a great way of doing it because. It's a target to set yourself. Like, mm-hmm. Okay, I want to get down to that person's way. Then to that person's way. It gives you a focus point. And when you've tried so hard for so many years to try and lose weight, that's a great one for me, personally. So my next goal is to try and get underneath 300 pounds. Okay. Excellent. So, so, I... what, so depending on when this comes out, this Friday, you'll find out. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. I think this will be coming out... Uh... Well, this coming Thursday, so the day before. So. It, it'll be tomorrow, then. You'll find out tomorrow if you think to it when it goes out. Excellent stuff. Um, okay, then, mate. Shall we, uh, shall we have a little look back in time at Survivor Series 2001 and the whole end of the invasion angle, I guess? Yes, let's do that. Okay. Um, it was initially broadcast on pay-per-view on November the 18th, 2001. Um, oddly considering it was very much a WWF versus Alliance uh, pay-per-view, the ending of that that storyline. Um, it came from the Greensboro Arena in North Carolina, which is very much a Jim Crockett Promotions WCW stable, hosted numerous Starcades and, and so on. And there was just over 10,000 in attendance. Um, as a general overlook, a general over, uh, overview of the whole show, uh, what were your, what's your initial thoughts looking back on this pay-per-view? To quote Jim Ross at the start of the, episode, the, start of the show, this could be the most significant pay-per-view extravaganza in the history of our business. Um, obviously, it wasn't because that, technically speaking, was month before. This was the combination of an angle which was unfortunately poorly booked 
Um, in, in looking back, it was at the time we didn't know that. I mean, I enjoyed, I personally enjoyed the invasion angle. I think they they did they did the best that they could with the, the card they had dealt. Um, but the Survivors itself, it was a combination of so many so many different things, and you got things you would never expected a year previously. I mean, if we'd been watching this at time two thousand one, and I said to you. Um, the main event, you're going to have Rob Van Dam and Booker T on one side, and you're going to have Rock and Chris Jericho on the other. You'd have told me, what the hell are you smoking? <laughs> Very true. <laughs> but it happened. It happened. Yeah. We, we got we got some dream matches. Although we didn't get as many dream matches because most of the big stars didn't, didn't transition over. But mm. some of them did, and some of them got a chance. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I enjoyed the invasion angle as it happened. I think it's more, uh, again, I suppose it's it maybe internet negativity or, or whatever, look back and think, oh, what, um, you hear about people saying that they, it, it, it was like uh, completely botched in the booking and this, that, the other. I mean, there were issues there, don't get me wrong. But I agree with you. I think it was very much a case of they did what they could with what they had available to them. They, they weren't going to get the likes of Steiner and Goldberg uh, and Sting and all these other names across, which would have made a huge difference. Of course they would. Um, but they, they weren't going to pay the money to get them out of their contract. Some of these guys simply didn't want to work. Some of them they didn't want as well. Um, so what they did with what they had at the time, watching it on, on weekly, as opposed to looking back um, as a block, watching it every week, I quite enjoyed it. And I, th- I think we got certain things that people overlook as well. Um, Steve Austin's kind of paranoid, uh, edgy, insecure heel character, leader of the Alliance. I think I think he, I'm as a good guy as well. And Jim Ross on together again was was superb i really enjoyed that pairing i think there's a lot of positives to come from that whole invasion angle and i think there's a lot of positives to come from this pay-per-view as well and one of them being that fantastic open with the with the black and white footage and i think it's freddie blassie sat there talking and 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 running through um just the very dramatic open to the pay-per-view the little sort of little mini movie they put on i think wwe do these things incredibly well where they did it with the Armageddon music in the background as well, which yes. was, and it did, and it, it was a case of the end is here, and exactly, yeah. you generally felt like it was going to be something, something. Well, to quote Jerry Lord from year before, something bad always happens at Survivor Series. That's what they, that's what they say, and in there's usually a double cross, there's or, there's or some form of there's always something huge that goes down there. Um, something bad, something huge did go down, of course, in the main event, which we'll get to. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, again, it, I really enjoyed that. And then you come to Jim Ross and Heyman on commentary, bickering back and forth as they would do throughout the whole show. And again, I really enjoyed this pairing. I'm a big Heyman fan. Jim Ross to me is because of the era I've grown up in, he's very influential to me. He, you hear the phrase thrown around for different people, but to me, Jim Ross is the voice of wrestling. I think he's. I love the guy. Um, for AEW at the moment, it's more so, not potentially, I don't think he's doing anything wrong, but not potentially his performance, but being able to sit with my 10-year-old daughter and listen to Jim Ross calling matches with her is a big deal for me. Um, but I think I this pairing that. was great. I get that. At the time, it was Jim Ross was the man, mm-hmm. and Paul Heyman had 
transitioned beautifully to a commentator, and he had done a fantastic job. Um, I think a lot of people will still hearken to the night after, which obviously had the king return and take his place yes. alongside JR. Um, I personally um, felt, I've in recent years, and I've not been shy about this, um, Jim Ross should have re- should have stayed retired, in my okay. personal opinion, um, because I think some of the things he said on commentary in recent times have been, mm, let's put it this way, are very, I think they would have called it Attitude Era-esque, and maybe leave it at that. Right, um, yeah. Yeah. I also feel that sometimes you just need to know when it's time to call it a day. Um, his legacy is, you know, incalculable. He literally is the greatest sports entertainment commentator of all time. And I'm not talking about business, any business. You can go to American football. You can go to, to football itself in the UK and across the world. You can go to golf, cricket, anything. There are icons that do the job of announcing what's happening to the fans. Jim Ross did that arguably better than anybody else. But he should have stopped when he retired, in my personal opinion. But that's not what we're talking about. At this event, Jim Ross and Paul Heyman's commentary was the cornerstone to it. They, they got across everything. You could tell the passion was there because Jim Ross did not know what was going to be happening. He obviously, he, obviously, he, we, we all knew that WWE was going to win, mm-hmm. win out in the end of the show, um, because that was them getting the W back after invasion, of course. But you also knew that you didn't know how we were going to get there, and the people who were going to tell the story were going to be Jim Ross and Paul Heyman, the best two in the business for doing it at the time. Yeah, definitely, and I, I think there's as they got more and more agitated towards each other as the show progressed. And as they, uh, I suppose, uh, bickering turned into arguing and uh, and developed into uh, them being, you know, quite agitated, quite angry towards the towards the point we reached the main event. The comedy level rose for me as well because of that. Hearing that and, and Heyman's random Jim Ross bad Jim Ross impressions, <laughs> trying to wind him up about his accent and so just absolutely great stuff. Um, the first match we come to is obviously the European Championship is the open of the show. Mm-hmm. Um, Christian defending against um, Al Snow. Uh, one big thing about about this match that I, w- I especially wanted to comment on because I mean it, it was it was a decent enough opener. It did the job. I mean it doesn't sort of stand out to me as being particularly memorable. I I, I didn't remember this was on the event until I actually pressed play. Really? But for me, yeah, yeah. I, t- I totally forgot about this match. This was one of my standout matches from the night. Oh, okay. Personally, it showed Al Snow could could, could still go for lack of a better term. Yeah, no, I understand that. I'm a big Christian fan as well. I think the guy's very, very solid in the ring. I think sometimes he gets a little bit overlooked because of how successful Edge was, and Edge was obviously a, a, had a big star quality to him. Um, but one thing that really stood out to me as well is just how much I, I love that championship title. I'm a big bout geek, and even though I don't actually own any replicas because you know money and life get in the way, but um, I, I know all about her championship belts. Unfortunately, I remember when I went to WrestleMania last year. Um, Everyone knows I bought a championship belt, the same belt which Kofi would win that night from Dan O'Brien. And it was $415 on the gate. Um, If um, I'm not sure how much that is in pounds, I remember 
once I was in the stands, they, they put adverts up obviously in the arena during the show, and it actually said uh, 25% off titles all with this code. I'm like, you son of a bitch. <laughs> but, I have, but I've also seen you can get the European Championship replica on the WWE shop at the moment, I believe, and I believe it's about £350, which is about $400 US. Uh, which is not too bad, seeing as it's a exact replica and it's a thing of absolute beauty. And oh, that belt is gorgeous, isn't it? With the flags and everything, it's just fantastic. But should bring them into NXT UK. Yes, yes. Well, a great shape. That'd be fantastic. I mean, it, it, I reckon it's a really some of the belt designs now. I'm not a huge fan of, but um, that and European title, the, I think, looks great. And think of all the greats who have held that championship over the years. I'm sure Michaels for a start. Tri- Triple H, the British Bulldog, yeah. um, the Hearts, um, you've um, 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 Eddie Guerrero, of course, bless him, uh, Chris Jericho, uh, Kurt Angle, of course. Yeah. Midian even reactivated after Shane McMahon won it and then retired it. Um, you had uh, William Regal, of course, Jeff Hardy, Spike Dudley, and, of course, the last champion, which was Rob Van Damme. Mm. So many, so many great names associated with that belt. Phenomenal. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Well, I'll have to go that, back and watch some old matches. Then. <laughs> one thing which turned out to me a little bit, which you won't see on the network version of this, is because obviously contract rights have changed, but on the DVD it's the same. Um, the um, Al Snow doesn't use his, what does everybody want? Music? He uses okay. the Tough Enough theme at the time, which of course um, Maven went on to use when he won um, Tough Enough. Um, because he was the head trainer of Tough Enough, and he was yeah. it, this whole match came about because Christian ran into him backstage during heat, and they had a confrontation, so that's why this match happened on the show. Um, and I love the fact that they, they actually, on the original DVD release, they've actually still got the Tough Enough theme being played over the outmost Titantron, and it's a it's a banger. It's yeah, it's a great. Right. Yeah, I remember Maven using it. Yes, and then um, obviously that time he eliminated the Undertaker from the Rumble, was you know, and then got destroyed and thrown in the popcorn machine and so on. But that that tune and, and um, the, the vision of the, uh, the the brick logos, I guess, smashing on the Titantron behind mm-hmm. as they come in. Yeah, yeah, totally fantastic song. I mean, so many great entrance scenes around at this time as well. Uh, yeah, you know, yeah, no, brilliant stuff. Obviously, uh, Christian goes on to retain here, but um, at one stage, Al Snow hits his. I believe it's called the Snow Play. Snowplow, yeah, yeah. Basically, basically the Emerald Fusion, yes. It looked absolutely brutal, didn't it? It looked absolute killer in this match. It just, you know, I mean, it's a it's a brutal move anyway. Don't get me wrong, but on this occasion, you sort of looked at it and went, "Oh, strafe." For those who aren't familiar with Snowplow, it's basically a combination between a a power slam and a pile driver, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's. <laughs> Uh, it, it, the snowplow is appropriate because when people got hit with that, they they went down, they stayed down. Um, yeah. Christian got Christian obviously got his foot on the rope, so that's how he got out of it. So yeah, and then he hits the unprettier, and again, that's a, that's a brutal looking move. I'm a big fan of that move. Uh, I, I've always enjoyed whoever's using that. It's, it's a great finisher, I think. And then Christian obviously uh, retained the championship. Yes, he did. He did. And then we go to um, our first sighting of one of the most important players of this era and, and, and the attitude era in general, I guess, uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin arrives in the arena as a little chat backstage with his Alliance teammates. And they're all sort of second guessing each other because um, Vince McMahon in the build up to the pay-per-view has sowed seeds of doubt in the mind of some of the appliance, uh, appliance, Alliance <laughs> members. Um, 
about somebody turning and joining Team WWF and was smiling at Austin and Austin was smiling back as they went off the air going into this this pay-per-view on, on the, the weekly television. Um, I, I think this this story of there's a there's a there's a mole or there's a, a turncoat or a traitor or some description added a little bit extra to the main event because you were kind of thinking, okay, they're pointing towards Austin, which means it's not going to be him. Is there someone is there anyone? And if it is, who is it going to be? It's just another little layer to the storytelling, I think. Absolutely, of course. They were also saying, cause obviously, Austin been going a whole DTA, don't touch anybody thing mm-hmm. for his for his career. And, of course, on the Taz, uh, term as a DTA now stands for Don't Trust Austin. Yes. And I, nice and I, I loved the, and I loved the fact, I don't know if it was ad-libbed or if that was scripted, not entirely, probably ad-libbed. It was really, really well done. And that made it a sound like later in the show, of course. Um, mm. It, it, you did think like, is Vince just messing? Or is Vince being, or is Vince serious? Is Austin really going to turn his back on the Alliance? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Uh, again, fantastic storytelling and, and, for an era where they are in hindsight criticized a lot. I mean, it's little touches like that. They get overlooked unfairly really. And the next match we had was supposed to be initially a, the first of the sort of titled unification matches, I guess. Um, the, the theme being that um, if you're holding a championship, regardless of which team won the main event, you would keep your job because you're a champion. Mm-hmm. Um, so you had various unification matches like the IC title in the US and so on. This was initially supposed to be um, Tajiri uh, facing X-Pac to unify the light heavyweight and the cruiserweight championships. But Sean Waltman, I believe he was injured um, at the time to make to mean he couldn't make the show. And it basically got switched to wrestling against um, Tajiri facing William Regal. Uh, a very short three-minute match, wasn't it? Very quick and... Uh, uh, over quickly. Um, I'm a big Regal fan. Mm. He ends up a bit of a mess. He ends up with his face getting a bit blooded, doesn't he? But uh, how did you find this kind of? I, I suppose it, it was a very quick encounter. It was quick. It was quick. It was painless. It was good because Tajiri, one of my favourites as well. Yeah, he's great, isn't he? Yeah, he, he, I, I'd never heard of Yoshida um, um, Tajiri until until he popped up before King of the Ring this year. That in this year. Uh, and then uh, became an instant fan, especially with Tarantula and the Mist and the Buzzsaw Kick. I mean, I mean, Tajiri was amazing. And then, of course, his hand thing back elbow, which yes. became legendary, of course. He was phenomenal. Um, I do remember Mick Foley saying, because um, obviously at this point he was the commissioner again, appointed by Linda McMahon. Um, he actually said, um, God knows where X-Pac is right now. So screwing basically. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, that's cold. <laughs> yeah, cold, but X pack heat, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, again, like I said, I'm a big fan of Regal, and and this three minute match, I suppose, is you know, it's not enough time really to judge either, judge the encounter or or whatever fairly. But I do kind of think, oh, to see X pack versus Tajiri. Would again. have been would have been superb. I, I'd have enjoyed it again at this at this juncture, but obviously wasn't to be. We did see some fans, to be fair. Yeah, yeah, they wrestled. They wrestled in the past. Yes, yeah, but I mean, champion versus champion, I suppose, with all the unification belts, this would have been quite a stage for them potentially. Yeah, but but I mean, Regal comes in, and again, like I said, I'm a big Regal fan. 
So it's just nice to see him on the show, and he's he's comedy as well, isn't he? As well as being fantastic Absolutely. in the he's, ring, so. he's always been good at comedy stuff. Always yeah. has been. Anyone who doesn't think that, just look up uh, Goldberg versus William Regal in a Las Vegas show gold match. Believe oh. he loves this stuff. It's absolutely fantastic, isn't it? He's he's brilliant. He is so good. Um, following on from that, we had another unification match between Test and Edge um, for, I suppose, the secondary titles in the in the two main companies, the United States Championship from WCW. Again, another beautiful-looking title um, against the Intercontinental Championship from the WWF. Um, you've got two guys here whose careers, I suppose, went completely different ways, but at one stage, there was high hopes for the pair of them. Um, I mean, Test very much looks like a WWF, WWE guy. He's, he's got the long hair. He's very put together. He's a tall fella. He, he's got the size and everything. And of course, Edge, we know, went on to have this fantastic career he had. Um, what did you think of the match initially? But also, no longer with us now, Andrew Martin, Test, of course. He passed away at a very young age. What are your memories of Test? And, and why do you think it didn't just quite work out for him? Um... Before I get to that, I was to Edge had a good little primary for a match, actually. He was asked by the coach what he thought his chances were of beating Tesla. He's like, I've, the difference between, um, it must seem pretty even. I mean, we're both athletic, tall, long blonde hair, and pretty unique first names. Yeah. <laughs> the difference between Tess and I is, He's been done by virtually every chick on the planet. <laughs> obviously, that's like a step from a man, obviously. Like, like, Tess isn't going to hit me with his big boot. It's going to be because of, I lost. What the hell is that all about? I mean, he, he gurned at the camera a couple of times. And the, this match, I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. It's, it. A lot of people talk about the King of the Ring being his breakout as a single star. This is the match which showcased that he could not only go, but he was capable of making a championship mean more than it had meant for a while. Um, because he'd been the IC champion right up until maybe two weeks before when Test, quote, cheated to win the championship. Um, the weird thing is, is after this event, Test actually got sort of like a push, a sort of cyber push anyway, because he couldn't be quite because spoilers he couldn't be fired yes, um, exactly, yeah. after for, for a year so he's he's getting pushed he, he, he culminated as it were with a little bit of a feud against the rock leading up to the end of the year and after that it, yeah, his career kind of was like he was he was always the nearly guy he nearly got there mm-hmm. he he had so much potential but to quote Jim Ross again you can't buy breakfast with potential You've got to get the job done. And unfortunately, for one reason or another, I don't know why. I mean, he had his demons and other things, of course, but for some reason he didn't get the job done. Um, And uh, I enjoy a lot of the matches I've seen him in. Um, um, He did one of of the greatest segments on Raw the following year when they almost burned the American flag and he, he could draw heat. He could really draw heat. He knew how to work a crowd in tests. Um, unfortunately for him though it didn't work out for him and you know my thoughts are obviously with his family um, but this match here was a phenomenal match um, Edge did a great job and Edge um, ended up hitting 
um, the execution, of course, and walking out with um, the US Championship belt and, in my opinion, the greatest Intercontinental Championship belt of all time. Ah, uh, see, we're going to disagree a little bit here, and I, I'm yeah, not a fan of that overall title. Everyone, everyone disagrees with me on this one, but I personally think that is the best IC belt because that's the one I relate to because that's the first one I saw. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. So for me, that's what the IC title belt looked like. It's just like the uh, the World Tag Team Championships, which we'll get on to in a minute. Um, they were the championship belts, which I remember them having the first mm. time I saw them. The, the, you know, the Winged Eagle, that's the first, the, the big Winged Eagle belt. That's yeah. what I remember. Yeah. At the WWE Championship belt. I remember the European belt. I remember the Hardcore belt. The Women's Championship, as it was then. Both of the belts that, for me, are the belts. Because, and whenever I playing on the wrestling game i create my own brand and i make them belts the, the belts because okay. because for me they were the ones that, yeah that, that again that itches me no no that makes perfect sense i, I totally get that. i mean for me the first i see belt i remember is the one that's uh it, the more sort of straighter shape the more sort of cornered shape um uh, you know the one that brett wore um, Shawn Michaels War, the Warrior before that, Rick Reed before that, around that same sort of time and so on. Oh, and again, I think it's because that's what I what I remember. I guess. Yeah, everyone relates to a certain championship belt based on the era they started in. Yeah, of course, that makes perfect sense. Also, also, give a shout out to the um, amazing theme song, which Edward Juden, of course, was never going to stop by Rob Zombie. But also, in fact, the test song actually was really quite good. Yes. It was so simple. Test, this is a test. Yep. And, uh, it, and it sort of sticks in your head after you've finished watching the show and you sort of walk around humming something. I, I, was, I, was, I was humming something, making my kids dinner, and I was like, what the bloody hell is that? And I twigged it was the, it was the test entrance theme sort of stuck in, stuck in my head. So. so simple. Jim Johnson, again, at his best. That's on WWE Music Volume 4, I believe. Okay. Look at that knowledge, eh? <laughs> yeah, <have> my moments. <laughs> no, I mean, with, with regards to test as well, it's... He went through the Un-Americans gimmick, which again was drawing a great deal of heat. Christian was involved in that as well, wasn't he? Um, he had this on-again, off-again feud with Scott Steiner after Steiner's main event run kind of petered out. And it involved like battling for Stacey Keebler's services um, and so on. But yeah, it was almost like... It was almost constantly like there was just something missing. They couldn't quite put your finger on what exactly it was. And it's a real shame. I, mean, very, I believe he was like 32, 33 when he passed, which is no age at all, is it? It's, you know, incredibly sad. It was. But, but yeah, I mean, again, I enjoyed the match too. I thought it was absolutely fantastic. I, I, because I suppose I'm used to thinking of Test in those, in those roles where it didn't quite work. I don't. I didn't really know what to think going into this match when it started, but at the end of it, I was pleasantly surprised. I, I really enjoyed it, so yeah, I, I can't. I can't disagree with you at all there. Um, next up, then we have another title unification match: um, the Hardys versus the Dudleys in a cage, uh, unifying the WWF and WCW tag team titles. There's a bit of an odd thing going on here with the belts. Did you notice this as they were coming down? I, I did notice this, but before we're talking we get, a lot about belts today, aren't we? <laughs> we well, to be fair, there was a lot of belts on the show, which is the yes. all the unification matches. Um, before this, of course, um, Stephanie was moaning to Kurt Angle about oh yeah, if she had to, uh, if they lost, they had to become a, she'd become a regular person, have to scrub a toilet. Yeah, um, and I'm like, 
I'm not usually heard the audience go, oh, as they're being sarcastic. Mm. And I'm like, yeah, everybody wants to see the, the billion dollar princess or get a real job. Um, she's a heat magnet, isn't she? Oh, she was, she's always been good at making, creating heat. Ever since she turned on, on Vince back in 99. Uh, right. The, the, the thing you're talking about here is, of course, going into the match, the Dudleys held the WCW Tag Team Championships and the Hardy Boys held the WWE Champion, Tag Team Championships. Thing is, is that someone didn't tell that to the production company properly. Because coming down the, the aisle, the graphics were the wrong way around for who yeah, were yeah. Which champions. And I was like, no one I've ever spoken to before in the last 19 years has noticed that, apart from you. Oh, really? You're the first oh, okay. person to actually <laughs> notice that, apart from me in 19 years. Or if you have noticed it, haven't brought up in conversation. Yeah, no, I understand. No, I get it. It was it's just odd. I'm sort of looking at it, and I had to rewind it a couple of times, and the wife was sat there watching with me, and she was like, what are you doing? And I was like, I'm looking at the belts. And again, she you know, just looked at me and rolled her eyes a little bit, and I was like, no, 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 there's something there. I can't quite place my finger. And then it clicked, and you explained it yeah. to everything. Exactly, yeah. I mean, it, uh, the, Hardy, the belts the Hardys were wearing as well, they looked, they looked unfinished. They looked like they weren't. Uh, I don't know whether they were belts that they were just wearing for that occasion, but they didn't look, they didn't look finished. They didn't look like they'd been um, uh, 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 coloured in, I suppose, for want of a better term. You know, it was just They're a real odd look. Incomplete, incomplete. Yes. Almost. yes, there you go. That's a good. That's excellent. That's the word I was searching for. Thank you very much. Yeah, um, I mean the match itself. You've got to. Both members of the team have got to eliminate, uh, escape from the cage, um, or it's via pinfall, isn't it, and submission to win. But it seems strange being in a cage match and they've got to tag in and out. When you put the Hardys and the Dudleys in a match together, you're going to create magic. Mm-hmm. Um, we've um, seen them compete in every kind of match before, apart from a cage match. So, you know, it was a little odd seeing the tagging in and out. It didn't last very long, of course. Um, it ended up being a tornado, which is how it should have been in the first place. Yeah, um, definitely. But, of course, the, um, the ace in the hole, as it was, was the Duchess of Dud- Dudleyville on the outside, of course. I, I'm a big fan of young Miss Keebler, yeah. She's got legs and she knows how to use them. Um, <laughs> she, of course... At, at one point during the match, because normally when it's after Devon's hit the diving headbutt, obviously, into somebody's groin, mm-hmm. uh, Bubba will tell him to get the tables. But out of nowhere, Bubba just shouted, Stacy, get the tables. And then proceeded to use her womanly ways to distract Nick Patrick, so he didn't like you too bothered to face it, into yeah. <laughs> getting, getting the key of him so she, so she could put a table into the ring. And from then on, the rest wrote itself. Yep. We had Jeff making a bad decision. Obviously, Matt was already uh, escaped the cage, I suppose. They're just awaiting Jeff to complete that and escape his team. He's on top of the cage. And in true Jeff Hardy style, he can't resist a crazy stunt. Rather than escaping and winning, he throws himself off the top of the cage and uh, effectively costs his team the win. Yeah, Steve Vaughn Dudley laying on top of the table in the ring, and um, Jeff went for the ultimate swanton. Uh, to be fair, he nailed the swanton, nailed the table. Steve Vaughn wasn't in the middle, though. No, exactly. Uh, and it cost, and it's quite, I believe this started to lead up to the 
It did. The split between the two, didn't it? And... It did. It was perfectly planted. The seeds mm-hmm. were perfectly, perfectly planted. It also didn't help because they were, because obviously backstage, before this match, you had um, Matt Hardy come out of Trish's locker room. Yes. Um, Lita sort of looking a bit confused about what was going on there. Mm, uh, we're not confused, but more like concerned. And, <laughs> um, I remember Lita was thinking that given what happened in four years' time. Um of course. <laughs> so, <laughs> but um, overall, yeah, good match. It was a quarter of an hour long, and it it served its purpose perfectly. Yeah, definitely. And again, it sowed the seeds for what was to come with the Hardy Boys. Um, I, I think that's their initial split and storyline through that sort of time period. It, it it didn't quite hit hit right for me. I don't know why. Um, I don't know whether it was too early or I mean they'd been together a long time by this point, but I don't know. If, I don't know. So it just wasn't quite right about that feud at that time. Um, but the setup for it here, as you said, it worked perfectly to, to to sort of put the put that in motion, shall we say? Yeah. Um, after the tag match, we had something that I find quite interesting, considering that we're we're looking at the wwf or the alliance the wcw ecw alliance one of them has to effectively go out of business one of them is going to be no more after tonight um as the tagline keeps saying yeah we then get an advert for future wwf shows to me it was a little bit i understand that everyone kind of knows that the wwf is going to win there's no way mcmahon's not going to have his brand go over here of course but i'm just what's out there watching i didn't notice it initially when i watched it 19 years ago i didn't i only watched it uh, so I only noticed this this week, but an advert popping up for future WWF shows, future tours, future raw tapings. Um, when obviously to, in, a, in an hour or two they could be out of business. To be fair, they had been teasing it throughout the night with William Regal obviously bumping into the McMahon's backstage. Mm-hmm. And actually said that tomorrow night once they'd won, it would be the first Alliance Raw. So it, it, yes. it became okay, the Alliance. The Alliance would have taken over. Those like that, that that those tours, those shows, etc., like that. So um, I I wouldn't have read too much into that at the time. No, 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 that's a good point. That's a good. Again, at the time watching it nineteen years ago, and and subsequently, I, I've not really picked up on that. It was just on this occasion I was like, oh right, okay. But now you've explained it that way, that that makes a lot more sense. Mm. Um, I don't know why, but um, maybe because I've watched a great deal of it recently. Um, in my head, I was thinking Nitro would be on this occasion as opposed to the alliance taking over raw but as you explained that that does make perfect sense it, it yeah mm-hmm. yeah that was just me not paying attention <laughs> yeah, to be fair a lot happening yeah uh, next up we had a battle royal um which I'm, I'm i'm a fan of these sort of matches if they're done correctly and not overused if you see too many of them obviously it becomes Far too similar. You're seeing the same sort of things on a regular basis. I can vouch for that. WrestleMania weekend, I went to uh, six events. Okay. And every single event had a had a battle royal or royal rumble of some description. Oh every my word. single one, and every single one had someone hard under the ring until the end of the match. Every, no way. Every single one. Why? So you saw and the same format with the same finish. Same same format, same finish. With several different companies. That's incredible. And they weren't the same place. A couple of them were the same place, but none of them were. I went to GCW. I went to 
uh, Black Label Pro. I went to um, Shikara. I went to um, Ring of Honor and New Japan at Manswear Garden. I went to WrestleMania. Oh, wow. I went to Capital. Um, I went to so I went to six different events held by six different organizations, and all of them had at some point in the Battle Royal someone was out of a ring until the end of the match. That's that's incredible. Trope <laughs> which actually happened in this match. Unbelievable. Happened <laughs> in this match as well, of course, which we'll talk about right now. Uh, the idea that the winner gets immunity, uh, but as they're all making their entrance, of course, um, they've got the Alliance guys walking down with um, Let the Bodies Hit the Floor blaring because that yes. was the Alliance theme song and amazing song, absolutely amazing song. And while they're in the ring, uh, you've got um, Heyman sitting on um, on commentary saying, like, you should get up and up into this one, JR. Maybe keep your job. You could hold Jonathan Coachman's coat or something. <laughs> I'm like, hmm. But that, again, was playing into it so nicely. Yeah. Yeah, it's so adding nice. to the story all the time, isn't it? I mean, they're, they're effectively the soundtrack for what we're watching on the screen, mm-hmm. of course. Um, and it can be, it can be like, I suppose, commentating by numbers, naming moves and so on. But those little touches like that, adding personality and uh, conflict between the two. I think really, again, like we said earlier on in the show, really, really adds to the story. They absolutely fantastic. They added so much to this event, Heyman and, and Jim Ross. Because it was getting so tense at this point, because we were only, we were, at this point, we were only a couple of hours away from the end of one of these companies. Yes. So, so the tension was in the air. And if, obviously, I mean, looking back now, it's obvious, but obviously at the time... I was I was a tiny child at the age of uh, seventeen years old, um, so you know I didn't know what was going to go down. Mm. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I was I was a touch older, and I mean, two thousand and one, I'd have been uh, fast approaching twenty one at this stage. Yes, but yeah, just for, just coming up to my twenty first birthday. Mm. Um, but I was the same. I, I think the storytelling was done so well. You, you, again, I suppose you kind of knew deep down on some level, but uh, I. I bought into it completely. I was really excited about what was going to happen. And the fact that obviously McMahon owned everything at this point, he could have, could have had it that the WWF lost and went a different direction, you know, at some high war or another. But again, not very likely to happen, but you know, it, it, you, you never know. You know, I suppose that's that uncertainty that creates the interest. Ironically, they actually did that in a video game a few years ago, actually, where WWE did win and um, WWE then would win a few weeks later. To regain okay. control, so it's been. It has had the what if has been played out in video game land. Um, before this match, of course, there, there was an altercation backstage. Of course, ah yes, Scotty Too Hotty, one um, of my favourites of all time, and thankfully now cancer free. Of course, yeah, <laughs> he he's obviously entering into this uh, immunity battle royal. As so many other uh, other people are trying to secure their job, regardless of who wins the main event. Test obviously has lost his unification match to Edge earlier on, as, as we discussed. Um, and he decides, you know what, I, I'm going to take your spot, Scotty. I'm, I'm going to go into the battle royal myself. Gives him a bit of a beating backstage. Comes out, sort of trailing the Alliance team. Enters the battle royal, and I suppose in a way it kind of preempts who's going to win when you're watching. Yes, but at the same time, it also I'm like, you didn't need to beat him up because, as we'll talk about in a moment, um, 
you didn't necessarily need to be announced to enter this battle royal. Okay, just literally just turn up. As proven with three of your people who were fired by the alliance and yes. were still able to and still enter the match anyway. Yeah. Um, obviously, Teth entered the battle royal, and but also as they came as the WWE guys and followed them down to the ring. Um, Albert made a beeline for Teth because the Albert had been teaming with Scotty recently, and then of course being became a hip hop hip obviously later on, um, which is <laughs> <What> still, <a> <laughs> great which is one of my favorite personas that Albert ever ever had. Thank you, Matt Bloom, so much for embracing that. Um, he made a beeline for Teth, obviously, and they obviously brawled, and then a, obviously a truckload of people had to get Albert out of the ring in the end. It was it was it, sure it was a fun battle royal. It really, really was. Um, and then, of course, we saw um, Taz marching down the aisle yeah. and Paul Heyman losing his absolute mind. Like, what the hell is he doing here? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Of course, he had a, a bit of an altercation with Hay- Heyman in the weeks building up, didn't he? Maybe even the week building up. It was literally two, it was three, <laughs> three, three, three four on SmackDown when he... When, when Heyman decided to cut that amazing promo on Vince, which Vince had no idea about beforehand. No, he just said to him, just say whatever, didn't he? And, Make oh, the money. Make the money. I'm absolutely. Like, all he gold. did. All he did. He made Vince a, a absolute shit ton of money that night. Um, I'm very pleased with, because after Taz got eliminated, um, Taz, um, Heyman started laughing until Taz, then slammed his hands on the announce table, and then Heyman gets out of his chair and hides behind Jim Ross. And then Dallas <laughs> is unfortunately a little bit unfortunate. Where he says, "What are you doing, you, you woman?" I'm like, mm. "Yeah." Mm. I mean, no, it was just acceptable. It was of its place in time, unfortunately. Uh, yeah, it doesn't age well, does it? That, like a, a lot that, of stuff from sort of around that time. But then Heyman, there he kept. But then Heyman did some great mic work afterwards. After Taz had gone, Heyman, you get Heyman's voice. Very frankly, saying like, "Is he gone?" <laughs> Brilliant. He's absolutely gold. Isn't reminds he? me of Heenan back in the day. Yes, Bobby Heenan, perfectly with with Gorilla Monsoon. That was yeah. perfect. Can and play course, can play the comedy side. Can play the serious side. Can endorse can endorse the characters he needs to endorse. Absolutely superb. But yeah, it's a real good. Uh, comparison there i mean Heyman, i think comes across a little bit more edgy at times oh yeah I, I remember heenan being maybe leaning more towards the comedy side in his later years especially in wwf yeah, absolutely yes yes but i can see the similarities there definitely that's a, that's a real good comparison yes i mean he also had charlie Guerrero and um hugh morris and i hate that your name is hugh morris you think that's funny you think that's humorous Obviously, oh. it turns out the guy was an absolute piece of trash back yeah. after, afterwards. Um, but him and Chavo, of course, we I recognized the name Guerrero. I thought, is he there too to Eddie, do you reckon? Because obviously, Eddie was gone at this point. Mm-hmm. And of course, turned out, of course, yes, they were related. So, um, <laughs> obviously, these are two guys who were fired by the Lions and then were thrown out of the ring eventually. Yeah. Um, and of course, it came down to uh, the one Billy Gunn. Um, and the the man who should who deserves so much more, and that was Test. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And again, two very much WWE guys, I suppose, or WWF guys, I guess, at the time. When you look at them, we already mentioned about Test and, and his appearance and how that would tick a lot of boxes for McMahon. Billy Gunn as well was another one who 
had a lot of success in tag teams, I guess. Um, they tried to push him as a single star. Again, I mean, the, he, he's, he's got the height, he's got the build, he's got the look. Um, but again, it never quite worked for him as a singles wrestler. He had a few intercontinental title reigns, but never really kicked on from there, I suppose. Mm. I wouldn't say he kicked there because Billy Gunn obviously um, was setting up for the Famouser, and mm-hmm. as he went to deliver it, of course, that's when Test hit the big boot over top rope. And then you see um, Test obviously celebrate, and then even the WWE referee who dropped the ring to put his heart, his arm up in the air, he wouldn't let him do it in his own course. And you hear Heyman just lose it, like, Test wins! Test wins! No matter who wins, no matter who loses, the Alliance will win. No matter who loses, the Lions will win. Test his job for a year, the Lions will win. <laughs> again, just adding more and more to it with 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 comedy. Uh, again, so like the difference between how um, how angry and aggressive they can be to each other on commentary, especially towards the main event. But the comedy side from Heyman as well, just absolute gold. The guy's an absolute star. I think he was a star for like, this whole angle, but this night in particular, he's he's so good. Yeah, I mean, following the sort of multi-person match there. Um, the next actual in-ring moment is another multi-person match, I guess. Um, we have um, six competitors facing off for the women's title. Um, Molly Holly, Ivory, Lita, Jacqueline, Trish, and Jazz, who, who came to the ring as a bit of a surprise at the time. Um, a very odd kind of tag in and out format. I suppose similar to what we discussed about the steel cage match earlier. Very odd sort of tag in and out well, format. You, you say odd. This is what this was a six pack challenge. Yeah. Which obviously was introduced at at um Unforgiven ninety nine with Austin as the enforcer, where it was a case of basically a six person match, two in a ring and you tag in and out. And it it worked for that day, and they figured the title had been vacated by China. We need to put it on somebody, and whoever holds the championship will be an undisputed champion. So, um, obviously, you, as you said, you had Molly Holly, who was in her Mighty Molly persona, obviously for the Alliance. You had Lita, one of the best high-flying females of all time. Uh, Jack Quinn, obviously earned her spurs for years, would go on to be a referee after this as well. Um um, Jazz, as you said, um, even though JR didn't know who it was, um, then, <laughs> no, no, quote, so I go, how is it? It was Jazz. And then, uh, so Fane didn't know who it was. And then as soon as the match started, he, he actually said, from what I know, from what I've heard, she can actually go for men as well. I'm like, then you know who it is, you idiot. Yeah. But, um, of course, we've got Ivory, who is obviously Hall of Famer. But this match was all about the arrival of someone that when you saw who was in this match beforehand, she's the one person you would have put no money on. I give you the seven-time, eventually, women's champion, Trish Stratus. I've written an article about um, Trish, about the females in professional wrestling around this time on Trops Kicks and Near Falls. Um, and Trish Stratus, Lita, Jacqueline, Molly Holly, Ivory, 
they defined the Attitude Era when it came mm-hmm. to his wrestling. Trish Stratus, when we first became aware of her about a year previously, maybe a bit before, maybe 18 months beforehand, we knew her as a bimbo. We knew her as um, a she'll flash her boobs at you to get what she wants sort of thing. Yeah, she was a valet as well. Yeah, and very that, much that sort of arm candy, I suppose, for want of a better term. Yeah. And at the start of the year, she was literally... Lack, for lack of no better terms, she was literally a sex toy for Vincent Man. <sighs> yeah, um, some uncomfortable viewing at the it, time. You watch it, it back now, it's even worse. It, it is, and but then you see the payoff at WrestleMania, 30, at WrestleMania 17 yes. of how well that was done, and it all came to fruition. And then Trish became the women's champion in this match. She nailed the satisfaction, and wow. Her career just shot up. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You and, think about um, all the people in this match, every single one of these people would hold the women's championship, but no one held it more times than Trish Stratus. Yeah, and, and the, I think the thing with Trish as well is is the level of improvement you saw again and again and again. Um, obviously, here in ring, she's not anywhere near the performer that we would get in later years obviously she's still very much learning her craft um but she she improved every year got hugely popular as um the baby face or or, or, you know the the good persona trish but then when she turned heel as well and did the whole thing with chris jericho and christian um many years later and played this kind of very arrogant upper self i know how good i am kind of character she was absolutely fantastic in that role too and I, I'm I'm a huge Trish fan. Um, I mean, first of all, uh, you know, a, a younger me looking at Trish Stratus on the television every week, you know, that, I didn't have that in a Easy, sigh. Easy, sigh. But watching her perform in ring, the characters she'd portray, just, just absolutely fantastic. She, she's been an absolute star and one of the greatest of all time, in my opinion. Do you, do you remember that episode of, of um, Are You Being Served where they had to say glass water Peter Granger because he's getting any flustered? That's you right now, Simon. <laughs> you, you, glass water for Simon right now because he get, he's starting, he's starting to sweat because the wife behind you, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she, she's fully, trust me, my wife Sharon, she's uh, she's fully aware of my Trish Stratus opinions. Don't worry about that. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. But to be fair, to be fair she, she's the sort of person who could kick your ass. And I mean without the wife doubt. and Trish Jones. Oh, uh, and in, in both cases, without a doubt. <laughs> this match, though, this match launched Stratus, but it also showed everyone who Jazz was. And Jazz would become such an important part of Trish's early days as women's champion, um, including having a fantastic, two fantastic matches in back-to-back WrestleMania's, WrestleMania 18 and 19 with Trish. Both times, I believe, when Jazz... Uh, Jazz was in a champion one year and was a challenge the second year. It was fantastic to see Trish and Jazz work. It was phenomenal. And she's only very recently retired, hasn't she, Jazz? Mm-hmm. Jazz, um, phenomenal. Jack Quinn, obviously Hall of Famer. Elite. In fact, everyone apart from Jazz is a Hall of Famer. And Molly Holly, Molly Holly, who should be in the Hall of Fame. Oh, Vince, that, Vince, answer my letters. Why is Molly Holly not in the Hall of Fame yet? <laughs> She should be without a doubt. I mean, the, you, you listen to so many other, um, so many other the ladies from that time as well talking about how 
she helped train people and helped guide people in the ring and so on. Um, she she was a huge, hugely important part for people, I suppose, like Trish, as they were learning their craft, to be around someone of that stature. Ivory as well. Um, ultimately, like we said, Trish wins the championship here. We then go to more, uh, more Paul Heyman and Jim Ross on commentary, bickering back and forth and you so know, on. And- you know, it's the end, right? There's the end, right? Want to give me a hug? And then JR and then JR and then JR says something which would be a permanent a permanent moment. Like, no, I haven't been sanitized. Like, <laughs> Absolutely brilliant. I'm like, he's like, he's like, I'm not gonna miss you at all. And like, yeah. then like who gives a damn? Sat there with his Stone Cold Steve Austin or whatever his baseball cap on, hasn't he, at the time? Mm. Oh, this, so good. This obviously kept going right through the entrances, which we'll get to in a minute. Yeah. Um, beforehand, though, we had a, I suppose, a, a rallying pep talk from Mr. McMahon to his to his troops, his his team WWF. Um, I flick back and forth on my opinion on this, depending on which day I watch it. Some days I watch it and I find it a bit a bit cringe, a bit cheesy. But other times I watch it and I think, oh, my word, this is just firing me up like mad. I feel like I want to go out and compete. Um, what were your thoughts on this segment as, as McMahon really gave it the proper Vince-isms and, and, you know, ran through the legends and so on? Going through the legend made it a big thing. Talk about yes. Buddy Rogers. Um, Gorilla Monsoon, Andre the Giant, and then looking in the rock's face, in his face, and saying, hi, Chief Peter Maivia. That moment then, is superb. And then, and then you see the look on the rock's face where he actually is so... He was, he was already pumped up beforehand but then he was really pumped up and then Vince drops the bomb like I want you to consider, consider the notion that there's a traitor complete and utter BS yep because and I'm like so is he lying then was he just yeah. stirring up or was he telling the truth he says oh you to consider it BS obviously it turned out that he was telling the truth the whole time yes yeah, yeah. and again it's just another layer to the story and I think I it's something think that they it. miss sometimes in the in modern day product. These little layers they add and layers they add and on top and on top and on top. And by this stage, you don't know uh, are they? Is someone coming across? Is somebody not? Has McMahon been making it up all along? Is it Austin? Is it somebody else? Is it anyone at all? It's just so many different layers to it. The only thing about the whole thing, of course, is it was actually the most odd person. Yes, yes. <laughs> It was the oldest person in the world who who it was. So um, for that, I say bravo to Vince yeah. for that because because he did some great writing on that side of things. Um, obviously, the line, obviously the and then then they ran the background promo to to the um, event, and it just starts with the clouds rolling in. It says. I've had it with Alliance crap, fit invasion crap. <laughs> I'm like, winner I'm like, take all. A lot of winner, winner, winner take all. And it was so well, so well edited. And it ran through the whole angle turning on WF, Jericho turning on The Rock. Um, and then, as you mentioned about Austin turning on the Alliance, apparently it was going to happen. And then, um, obviously, Shane giving his rallying cry, saying, like, seven so apart for everything we have on the line. And mm-hmm. then, the, the weirdest thing about this is, why Bubba Dudley slapped Angle on the shoulder? No idea why. Um, that bugs me. It just bugs me. And then, obviously, it launches into Control by Puddle of Mud. And, 
fantastic. You've got JR doing the controller. One match, winner take all. Whether both lives or the alliance will live. The World Wrestling Federation will wipe the alliance off the face of this earth. Vince McMahon will see the WWF die. <laughs> and, and then it was just like montage of the people who were in the match. And then, of course, Sweetie Fall, you had Austin and Rock trying to dispel some of the tension by singing along. I think that was surreal in itself. And then Rock obviously not forgetting what happened in WrestleMania. Like, by the way, The Rock will never, ever forget. And then drilled him with Rock yeah. And that was just amazing itself. And, of course, it finishes that song. You're not the one for me now. It's when I take all. And then you come out of that, and then you see, here comes the money. I'm like, yeah. oh, oh, it's, it's just it's built not, it's and not, built it's, so it's, well. Yeah. yeah. It's Absolutely big. brilliant. They, they, they promo. In terms of promo stuff, Vince knows how, when a production team, they cut amazing promos, even back then. Um, because, of course, this was the first year they started using proper licensed songs on a regular basis. Okay. And it was sensational. Uh, in fact, the first one I remember um, was when they used Click, Click, Boom for um, No Mercy, I think, that year, the, the, the month before. Obviously, they'd WrestleMania, they'd done License Song for this year. Obviously, they'd done, they'd done My Way, which was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they, they started ditching, um, you know, like generic themes. They'd used actual licensed music, and it was great sponsorship for them. It was good promotion, whatever. It, it was brilliant in general. And I've got a lot, of my love, a lot of my love for rock music from those sorts of songs. And then every single person making their way to the ring, of course, you had Van Damme wearing a hardcore belt, so you know Van Damme's safe no matter what happens. Yep. Austin entered with a title belt, which means he's safe no matter what. Um, and then, obviously, they, they run through Kane's wearing a special attire just for that one night. And I'm like, I like that attire as well. It's a shame he didn't wear it more often. Um, obviously, then... Dead Man Inc. on his 11th anniversary rolled in and with Limp Biscuit blaring and still brilliant. Although JR does make a misquote here, he says, Well, he debuted, he won the WF title against Hulk Hogan. No, he didn't. No, that was the, yeah, that was the following year, wasn't it? 1991, yeah. yeah. But if he was caught up in the emotional moment, I can, mm-hmm. let, I can forgive that. But as Jericho that began to enter, um, they took, um, Heyman and JR still standing each other so much. Um, JR um, said something, I forgot what it was on my head, but Heyman uh, um, responds to it, and then JR says, Jim Cornette can play you tomorrow night, pal. I'm like, <laughs> looking back now, I'm thinking, like, no, actually, no. Um, and then Heyman says, You're pretty funny if I'm unemployed, guy. And then obviously, Jericho's entering, and he's like, If I am unemployed, I'll, I'll go to my own home, not go to my mum and daddy's room. <laughs> and that's made your special repairs in the freaking shack. I'm like, oh god! It's just hyping it up more. Everything about it, the, and the in- the entrances as well. The one by one coming out rather than as a team. Um, I think adds to this as well. It just builds and builds and builds. The crowd are getting hugely into it. I mean, Austin. When Austin makes his entrance, when the, when the, when the glass breaks, you know, to, to coin a phrase used often, it is. He gets a huge, almost babyface reaction from the arena. Mm, the, the, that, they love him. That theme song, they changed his theme song when he mm-hmm. was on the alarm, of course. It was, it was like a very it was a different glass break. And it was, 
And I've never been a fan of the inversion of it. Never. Okay. Inversion of it. They did use it on the on X, which showed my age a little bit. Um, that's the only game it was ever on. So, yeah, if you can find me a copy, guys, I'd appreciate it. At the Mattech UK, send it to me, please. Uh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, so this match at this point was already at the highest height it could be. It oh. could be. And star uh, power as well. Let's just let's just run through. I know you've mentioned quite a few of them there, but let's just run through the actual the actual sides. You've got Team Alliance, which is. Um, Shane McMahon, Rob Van Dam, Booker T, Kurt Angle, Steve Austin. I mean, that's an incredible collection of uh, name value, star value, and, and, and talent as well. Yes. And then Team WWF, you've effectively got the biggest names they could muster that weren't already selected for Team Alliance in, in Big Show, Kane, The Undertaker, Chris Jericho, and, and then The Rock. Um, initially, it's ha- supposed to be Vince McMahon, but he, he, mm. he had to remove himself from the match due to injury and replace himself with the big show. But that, those 10 names, wow. It does make you wonder, if they hadn't been injured, where would Triple H have been and where yes. would Chris Benoit have been? Yes, very true. I mean, I'd, I'd, have, I'd have assumed that Triple H would have been Team WWF Benoit, potentially Alliance because of his past history. But in the Triple company. H, his wife, but- of course. Sorry, say again. But Triple H's wife, of course. Oh yes, 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 definitely. Yeah, why? So who knows? We'll we'll never know. We'll never think though. It is interesting to think on that sort of side of thing because you know that they'd have been involved in this match somewhere. Um, Who knows? Unfortunately, but the match itself. um, If I said you the first person being eliminated with the Big Show, you probably wouldn't have believed me at the time. And took everyone's finishing move, didn't they? He took uh, well, I, well, a great deal of them. He didn't take a stunner. He took he took an angle slam, took a five star frog splash, took the scissors kick, and took the elbow drop. Didn't take a stunner mm-hmm. though. No, no, very true, very true. But still, you'd imagine four out of five would be enough, even if he's a seven foot giant. You know, it's <laughs> it, 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 and it did and it did take enough, thankfully for for them. And then Shane got his got got the same treatment from the Rock, Chris Jericho, Undertaker, and Kane. Yep. <laughs> and I mean, Shane McMahon here as well. The first few minutes, whenever Team WWF would go for a cover, he'd be running in the ring and disturbing the pinfall attempts, disturbing the, uh, the, 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 the covering situation there. To the point where Jim Ross is, you can hear him slapping his desk and shouting, mm-hmm. uh, God damn it, for crying out loud, all that sort of stuff. And, and yeah, again, yeah. it just added more and more. To, to um, I remember saying, damn, damn, man. And also him saying, like, Shane McMahon is like a boil on the butt of life. I'm like, <laughs> like that is an amazing sentence. Fantastic. That's brilliant. I'm stealing that. That's great. <laughs> um, a couple of notes I've, I've got from, from the match itself. Um, again, the, the, the reaction Austin gets is huge. It's probably the biggest of the night until Taker comes out a bit later oh, yeah. on the team WWF. Um. Shane breaking up these pinfall attempts and, and JR's frustrations were great. Um, RVD at this stage, what a performer he was. What a talent this guy was. Uh, and he was doing things, obviously it's 2001 and we'd seen him for X amount of time previous and maybe if you'd seen ECW at the time, I hadn't at this I stage. Hadn't, I, hadn't even, I, hadn't, I wasn't even aware of who was on ECW roster at yes. that time. So this was all fairly new to me. Um, and then obviously... I learned more. Um, mm. Wow. He's just doing things that 
doing things that, as a wrestling fan, I'd never seen before from a guy of that size. Because he almost he almost wrestled, I suppose, for want of a better term, in, in a cruiserweight style-ish. But yes. The guy's 200 and what, 235 pounds. He's six foot one. Mm. He's very much not a cruiserweight. But some of the things he was doing, I mean, the, the first time I saw him do a split-legged moonsault in the corner. Yeah. Um, I'd never seen that before. And it literally, I, I, I just sat there, my mouth was open. I was like, what What in the world have I just seen? And around this era, he quickly became one of my favourites to watch, just because he was doing things that mm. I found breathtaking and new. Rolling Thunder, another one. Yes, one. yeah, definitely. I mean, we didn't, we didn't Eddie Guerrero do frog bashes, and we didn't Dilo Brown and everything like that. But RVD, his frog bash was phenomenal. I think and I think um, the only person who gets close now is Street Profits. The only one who gets close to that sort of frog splash. It's from the heavens, of course, mm. but it's a frog splash and it's phenomenal. And it's the only one who gets close to RVD and Eddie Guerrero's frog splashes. Yeah, definitely. And I, I like as well, it's a little thing, but it makes, I think, a big difference. He, he hits that frog splash and then he sells it himself. Yes. Yeah, I mean, he I mean, sells such, it. Such a little subtle thing, but it makes such a difference. He sells it like he's just... Well, mainly because most of the time he was frog-bashing someone who had a chair on their chest or, or a hardcore belt <laughs> on their chest. Yeah, very true. Time. But he also... But, um, the, a perfect example is, skip forward a few months, WrestleMania 18, of course, where he beats um, Regal for the IC belt. And he he or, he almost drove Regal through the canvas, the height and the power he put through it. And he rolled around, kicked his legs, kicked his legs a few times... And then roll back into the cover, and he looked like he was in absolute agony. And he is one of the best sellers of his own move. I've never seen yeah. a sell their own move that way before. Well done, sir. Absolutely great stuff. I mean, there's there's so much that goes on in this match. It, it runs for full oh, street. Let's have a little quick check. So nearly oh, nearly three quarters of an hour. Yeah. Oh. It's three seconds short of three quarters of an hour. It was yeah. Absolutely um, brilliant stuff. I mean, I, I'm not gonna. Uh, we we simply haven't got time today to run through it blow by blow, elimination by elimination. But if anyone um, is looking I, for a wrestling match to watch this week, I highly recommend they seek out the main event from this show because it is absolutely superb action all the way through. So much talent there. You have breath bumps. You have breath bumps. Uh, so many different storylines tied in. You had Nick Patrick's rivalry with El Hebner pop up. Yes. Uh, that, yeah. Which was fantastic as well. You had Jericho double cross in the rock. To extent to extent where you actually had Undertaker come back and had to pretty much drag him back to the locker room so he wouldn't screw him again. Not yeah. so much good rock, screw him. I mean, like, you're trying to screw the Undertaker. Have mercy. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> and then of course, you know, as as we get to the end of the match, we're left with the Rock and Austin, one of the greatest rivalries of all time. Seeing those two stand across the, the ring from each other after everything that had gone on in their careers. Trading, um, trading their own, trading each other's finishes. Yeah, well. yeah, and the build-up as well, as you mentioned earlier, with the the Rock will never forget moment and, and so on. Just so much history yeah. between these two absolute mega stars mm. to then, then be across the ring as the sole survivors each and just really the, set the tone. The perfect finish for it in a way was to have the predictable double cross, but you see Angle run down to the ring. And you see him grab the WF title belt, which Austin had pulled in the ring to try and use. And then it mm-hmm. had fallen out of the ring, of course. Um, when, because iconic scene there is when he's holding the belt, 
Rock trapped him in the sharpshooter at Survivor Series. Ironically, <laughs> <laughs> another little, another great callback that was yeah. two years gone by. And Austin is clutching to the belt, and JR is selling that like it's the last night on earth. Like Austin clutching to the championship. That is his life. Yeah. And the, the belt for that ring, Angle runs down, picks it up, and here, and Heyman goes, here comes Kurt. Thank God. And then you hear JR brutally go, son of a bitch. And then Angle clocks Austin in the face with the belt. The crowd erupts. He stumbles into the rock bottom. Down he goes. And then before Rock can get across, you can see the camera pans out. So Angle with a belt by his head walking through the crowd. Mm-hmm. So he's taking the belt with him to read the of the Woods. More storytelling there. And then JR selling every single part of that slow, slow count by Ohemna. The count! The count! It's over! It's over! The WF has won it! And then Heyman's reaction, just sitting there, oh. mortified, and just oh, everything about this main event is just so good. Even everything Stephanie in the locker room. I mean, I know they obviously were doing it for the camera, but Stephanie selling it like literally her world had just ended. Mm-hmm. No! And then you got... The only thing is, is that um, you see... The Dudleys, obviously, who won the invocation belts, there. Bubba's shouting at Stephanie, like, "What the hell is that?" And Bubba actually only had the WF Championship belt on his shoulder at the time. Yes. Don't know if that was intentional, but he also then dropped the belt on the floor and picked it up quickly before the camera cut away. <laughs> uh, it was that was unfortunate. Think, but it was. Um, but also, you cut to the WF locker room, and you've got them all crowded around the very small monitor and you've got Big Show very large in the, in the frame going, one, yeah. two. Reacting as he's watching ah! it. <coughs> you're getting Garcia saying, come on guys, come on guys, in the background and you actually genuinely believe that some people weren't in the loop and I love that, if that was the case. Yeah, genuine um, reactions and stuff. Oh, brilliant. Hmm. And then you see at the end Vince on the stage throw his um, jacket on on the uh, ramp and just Vince McMahon victorious again. And probably the first time that anyone had ever cheered Vince McMahon for a long, long time. (laughs) Yeah, for quite a while. Since Survivor Series a few years back, I'd imagine. And then the year be, and then the, and then of course the next night, of course. a new chat that began, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I was actually thinking about that earlier on before we press record. What I'd love to do, um, if you'd be interested, at uh, some point in the future, is maybe have a little look at that episode of Monday Night Raw. I'd be the so there and the fallout from this fantastic Survivor Series event. Um, I think you and me, having covered this pay per view, I think it'd be great to cover that show as well. I think we I'd could. Love, have, I'd love that. I'd love that. Generally, I think that would be that would be that be that be a great little follow up to this episode. Um, what I'll do then, if that's the case, we'll we'll get that all booked in and sorted out uh, very soon. I'll collect your bin it book it best on that occasion, if that's okay with you, sir. That works for me, sir. No problem at all. Excellent stuff. So, um, 
before I let you go then, this Survivor Series 2001 event, um, great moments, great matches, great memories, I suppose. Um, normally on the show, uh, whenever I watch a pay-per-view of anybody, we kind of try and give it a grade as, it, as in the old school grading system, I suppose. Yeah. Whereabouts would you personally grade this pay-per-view as a whole? Um, this is an A- minus for me. Ah, see, I was going to say exactly the same thing. This is a very close second to... Because of the importance behind it, that's what elevates it so highly. It's a very close second to, to WrestleMania 17. Uh, different, the reason why it falls behind it, WrestleMania 17 is an A++++. Yes. WrestleMania 17 had been building storylines for a year. This one had been building storylines for six months. Mm-hmm. So, but even despite that, it's even despite only being a six month difference, they delivered in spades. And um, given how poor it's received, this was a fantastic way to tie the angle up um, and embark in the future, of course. And I think the fact that all the championships were consolidated, um, and of course. They even brought the US title back a few years later, of course, and the big gold belt as well. Yeah. So I'm thinking, like, well, what's the point? <laughs> <laughs> Very true. But at the time, obviously, mm. you know, watching as a fan, we, we've just lost WCW uh, in reality, the March of that year. It, it's just. And ECW. Yeah, and ECW, of course. And it's just, it felt like the biggest thing in the world at that time. If you really put yourself in that moment, uh, if anyone goes back, if anyone's not seen this pay-per-view and goes back and watches, um, I encourage you to, first of all, it is, it is an excellent, excellent show. Um, but put yourself in that mindset of a wrestling fan in 2001, watched or watching, if it is for the first time. It, yes. it felt like such a big deal. And that was even before the pay-per-view started. As the show went on, with the things that me and Matt had discussed, the commentary, the video packages... It just felt bigger and bigger and bigger right up until that huge, incredible main event. I agree with you. I think it is an A minus, an A minus show. Um, again, I agree. With you. Seventeen is very much tip top of my pay per views. There's a few others that I suppose go alongside it, but WrestleMania Seventeen is right up there. Um, so when I'm rating a show, I always look at that as top rated and put the shows in comparison. An A minus, I think, is really accurate for this pay per view. Um, I really enjoyed going back and watching it. Um, I really enjoyed spending this time with you, Matt, discussing it today. I appreciate that. Um, the weird thing is it, and this is going to sound like I'm being a bit of a look, la la la, look at me sort of thing. I'm not mean to be across that way, and yet, um, I did the whole of this episode of you without anything, any notes at all. Um, and I also haven't seen it for five years. Why? Wow. I have I know this pay of view so so well. Yeah. That's how good it is. I have watched it so many times over the last nineteen years. Guys, as I have said here, if you want an example of how you do Survivor series well, go to two thousand and one. If you want an example of how not to do things well, go to two thousand and four. <laughs> yes maybe that's a show for another day we can uh we, we've been fortunate enough to have, a, uh, have time here uh gushing over how wonderful this pay-per-view is perhaps we should look at some of the other side of the coin as well in the future well the good and the bad sort of my deal so that's true, that's true. <laughs> on that note if you could let everyone know 
where they can find you on social media and about your shows that um, I encourage everyone to, to track down and listen to. Right, okay. I pour in the vant, but I do have a few things to get out here. Okay, no find, problem, no find, problem. You carry on. Find me at the Matt Attack UK. You can talk to me directly through that. If you want to follow um, the, the show I co-host with Graham, you find it at Good Bad Wrestle out every Friday at the moment, but we are moving to a Sunday soon on this network, Video Global Media. It is well worth checking out. Uh, I'm not just saying that because I'm on it. Um, it works with her on it. It really does work fantastically well. Um, you can f- also find me co-hosting Game Junkies every other Saturday, a gaming podcast I host with my uh, buddy Alex. Um, and the f- other Saturdays of that is Chris from Chris Talks Games, which I produce and edit for him. Um, and then on Sundays at the moment, but going to Fridays, is uh, if you ever played Dungeons & Dragons, um, we actually have Dungeon Junkies. Uh, spin off it's uh, actually kind of good fun and it we started doing it to get get through lockdown and just get through things in general that's why the hashtag is we will get through this ironically at this point in time six months on six seven eight months on and we we are pretty much through it thanks to Dungeons and dragons who would have thought it eh? um brilliant stuff i also do a podcast with my little brother james it's called what you're talking about willis um literally we just talk about anything we just literally, we just turn the recording device on to have a natter or whatever we're talking about. So listen to that. It comes out uh, every now and again. Just just, just keep an eye on the social media channels, the visual media, you'll find it. Uh, is there anything else I do? Oh, yeah, Talk With Table, which you've been on, of course, Si. I have, yeah. I've had a great talk, time on Talk With Table, yeah. Talk With Table with myself. With friend Mags and uh, the excellent Conrad. Yes, yes. Um, his lordship, Conrad Newton, of course. Uh, make sure you check out all of Mag's content of course, as well at DJ Kirkby and obviously all of Mag, all of um, Conrad's content at um, El Compact and Newt and um, at CK Near Falls. And I would be remiss if I didn't thank the people who got me started in podcasting at first, which is Graham and his now 12-year-old son, Mason, over on the MGB Wrestling Podcast at yes. MGB Wrestling Pod. Without them, I would not be here. Without that, Mag's would not be here. Without that, by comparison, your good self would not have started. Definitely not. Oh. Definitely not. All come back to one 10-year-old boy saying to his father, can we make a podcast? Fantastic stuff. And that's what wrestling is all about, isn't it? Kids watching wrestling with their dads. Well, that's that's what I look forward to my Thursday, getting home from work and watching AEW. So exactly, yeah, that's the highlight of my week for me. All tied in nicely, sir. Thank you There so we much. go. Thank you so much. It's been an absolute honour and a privilege to be on your show. No, no, thank you very much for coming on. I've really, really enjoyed it. And we'll definitely have a look at something less smiley in the future. But first of all, I think we need to cover that Monday Night Raw because if we're, if we're encouraging people to go watch Survivor Series, I encourage them to watch that Monday Night Raw the following night as well, if you can find that on the network. Matt, thank you very, very much for your time. I've really enjoyed it. It's been brilliant. Um, and I'll speak to you again soon. I'm out of it. <laughs>